What's the nature of your emergency? Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined by Detective Walton. Clint, how are you? I'm good. I want to talk about a lot of the ways that people respond to critical incidents, especially first responders, and um, give a little bit of insight as to the reason why. I have a quote here. It says, our brains are wired for connection, but trauma rewires them for protection. That's why healthy relationships are difficult for wounded people. Um, The only thing I don't like about this is the last part, wounded people. I don't believe that a a consequence like PTSD or CPTSD is um, something that makes you a wounded person. I think it's just that, a consequence, a byproduct of having experienced a traumatic event. Um, Clint, I'm wondering, when it comes to you, how have you seen your willingness to be around other people or to seek out support after a critical incident? You know, and... and in the amount of critical incidents I've been involved in throughout my career, it's something where they, I've been presented with an opportunity to speak with a counselor or a psychiatrist, depending on that level of incident. And in each instance, it's been presented and in, in in seeing the progression over time. So like I go back to when I first started, like, they they made you sit down with somebody and you would talk to them. And whether you said anything or not, that was completely up to you. But as time's gone along, it's and and let me let me go back real quick. In those instances in the beginning, it's like you didn't want to stay too long in the office speaking to that person because your buddies are all on the outside to where if you were in there a while, no one would would say anything to you, but there's that kind of silent judgment going on for you as an individual. As time went along and, and I, in more of the incidents that I've seen, you see people staying in that room longer, or you see people having like a group debrief with that psychiatrist or the counselor present during it. And kind of the dynamic has shifted in a, in a positive way when it comes to that. But at the same time, there's that silent struggle that I've seen other people going through where you know it's affecting them differently or they're involved in officer-involved shooting and there's that behind closed doors, everyone's everyone's like, oh man, that hit them hard. They're, they're struggling with this one, but no one's actually speaking to that person to make sure they're okay or to, to follow up on a, a private basis. They're just putting that judgment out, out outside of that environment. And I think we've seen a positive impact as time's gone along, but I, it lacks so much still. And, and I think that's where people don't have the grasp of how important it is to be able to handle these traumatic incidents. I know what it's been like when I have a group of clients versus a one-on-one client and the the different dichotomy that exists there. So talk to us about what you have seen or identified and maybe even a comparison of how it used to be to now when it comes to that group debriefing with a mental health professional versus that one-on-one session. You know, I think 
in, in a group debriefing, you're going to have one or two people, and I'm just going to say five people are in the room, uh, not including that counselor or psychiatrist. You're going to have five people in that room, and they're all sharing their experience about or that debrief about that incident. One or two people are going to be very vocal and speaking and and articulating everything about the incident, but then the rest is kind of that silent majority sitting in the back just absorbing everything and they're not expressing themselves as if it was a one-on-one basis. And I, and I think there, there's a, a problem in that. I think they're great. I think it's great to have a group debrief in, with a counselor or a psychiatrist, I think, but it needs to be followed up with almost that one-on-one in-person session to where you can have that opportunity to speak to somebody if you choose to. What has been your personal involvement when it comes to your experience in that group setting? How forthcoming are you or aren't you? Typically for me, I've always just sat in the background. I've been one of those silent majorities, unless it's something that I feel very passionate about for one reason or another. But because I, for me in those instances, like it's not that I, I'm, better than them. I just, I feel like, like someone else is going to be able to take away more if they're able to express their concerns or talk about that incident more where I have such a great support system at home where that's what I fall upon. That's sweet, baby. Mm -hmm. I know that our, the science of connection says that our brains are just naturally inclined to to just experience and to be around social connections. And from a lot of the clients that I've worked with, I know that having these repeated exposures to different traumatic events, they can often lead to things like bitterness or being jaded, withdrawn. How many times have you ever heard maybe one of your partners complain about like, oh, my wife um, wants me to go out to this birthday party this weekend or last weekend with the family and I didn't want to. You know, those are the, the types of things that are actually byproducts and um, could be signs of the aftermath of a traumatic event. You know, and it's something that in recognition of that, like I I think we've all been in that state of mind of like, oh, we have to go to that birthday party this weekend, but I don't really want to. Well, why don't you want to? Like what what's changed to where you don't want to go to that anymore? Is it, you just want to stay at home? Is it, it's having that understanding and recognizing the changes within yourself and being open to hearing those changes from other people. Yeah. Not only that, but I think having that level of self-awareness is also very important, especially for first responders, because being able to acknowledge and address um, what could be the impact of trauma on your personal relationships, I think is one of the biggest steps when it comes to healing and just overall mental health. This could be a- applied to everybody, not just first responders, but especially first responders. So let's say there is that instance with a birthday party coming up and you don't want to go, you know, maybe thinking back and reflecting on what has happened um, in the recent past to see if that could be a catalyst for your behavior or even contrast it. Because if you don't want to go because you want to sit at home and play video games or watch TV instead, versus you want to stay at home because you're, you're working on a woodworking project or you want to work out or you'd rather go fishing, you know, if there are alternatives that are healthy and those are the the things that are pulling you um, versus 
the the stagnant nature of something that's nuanced like those video games, then that could that's just information, right? That tells us, okay, you don't want to partake and be a part of um, the connection, the community, the family, your relationships. So why why exactly is that? And you know, for for me, one hundred percent, ninety ninety percent of the time, it is because I have something that is a healthy alternative that excites me that I would much rather do um, instead of taking that time out of my bank account to deposit it into something that is less, less worthy of my time, so to speak. And it's a, it's a hard balance sometimes because when you're in that healthy place, then sometimes you have to make that judgment call and to really balance, okay, how, how am I going to still nurture the relationships that are important to me while I'm still maintaining all of the things that make me happy, especially when, when it's, um, your downtime or your time off, but going on the other level of that, If you are that person who's turning to things that maybe aren't so healthy and you're finding yourself not wanting to partake in anything that has connection with your personal relationships, ask yourself, what is the alternative? What do I want to do instead? Why do I want to do this? And and reflect back on what might have happened to you recently that could have made you feel that way. Yeah, and it's also recognizing, so like what started coming up for my brain as, as Asha was speaking is, well, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And, and having those alternatives is, is that it's, you're giving yourself excuses or reasons for you to get out of it compared to the real reason of why you don't want to do something or why you want to do this instead of that. And, and that's where, like you said, is understanding where, where that, emotion or that, that feelings coming from. Yeah. And, and I think it's important too, for us to have grace on ourselves and to not feel guilty about forcing ourselves into those social connections. Um, because sometimes I think that we need to give ourselves a little kick in the ass and that's just what we need. I I have countless times where there's been family events or, you know, uh, things we've been invited to that I'm, I would rather do something else. Um, but then you, you get to it and you're around people and then something, you know, that, that natural need for connection, it's just automatic and it starts to make that feeling feel like an afterthought. And, and when you leave, you're like, oh, I'm glad I at least took my time to go to that because it was enjoyable by, by one way or another, you know, and it's, it's important to get out of your just kind of day to day routine with how you want to do things and instead of get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing your time with us this morning. If you've gotten any value out of today's episode, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always know that I'm sending you a long tight hug from my home to yours.